Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, girl. Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff. This is the Press Box. I didn't know that. If you keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way. All right. With Grainy and Bischoff. Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. On ESPN Las Vegas. Still have problems with those robots. The other day it was chimneys. <laughs> Had a problem with chimneys the other day. Sometimes they put those uh, robot things like very much in the corner of the picture and it makes you guess. I mean, I just genuinely am sometimes <laughs> like, okay, we're going to need a stricter definition of what a chimney yes, is. Yes, yes. Because that is, that, that is not a chimney, that's a swamp cooler. I had to go two on the clicking the other day, and the next one was motorcycles, and it, it became easier. One one looked like a scooter, but I, I took a chance, and I clicked it, and I got through. At what point are robots going to be smart enough that they can identify a stop sign? Like, true. That's... Probably already. I mean, they can more than my, myself. I mean, well, you know, my, what... you know my driving, so. Well, but is <laughs> this is this what Bezos needs to be focused on rather than him and his brother going to space? Giving Fix his money away to people. Absolutely. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed Graney and Jared Justice. Tyler's off today. Hope he can get back by tomorrow, but we'll take you through a Tuesday. Let's start with some hoops. The first bite. Can the Clippers come back from... Three straight O2 holes to win a series. I kept saying no, and then I watched them last night, and they just won't go away. And it's funny because Reggie Jackson. I mean, yeah, Reggie Jackson. It's funny because Monty Williams. They have you know the. I always love the mic'd up with coaches because they say absolutely nothing. You're doing well. You're doing well. Keep attacking. Get back. Get back. Get, get back. Get, get back. back. Keep attacking. We're doing okay. We're playing good defense. Like yeah, you've said nothing. Now. Say this, they know when they're on the mic'd up, so they're certainly not going to give away strategy in case <laughs> someone's listening. Like, we're going to run this at Chris Paul, don't do this. So, Buddy Williams, thought, so I did have something to say, though, at halftime, and he was right, especially with this team. He's like, look, you have to put them away. Like, they're not just going to walk away and, and say, okay, you know, it's over and give up. Uh, say what you want about the Clippers, and there's a lot to be said. We're going to get into uh, Kawhi Leonard and his knee, and what a shock. He and the uncle believe they don't like the training staff. We heard this story before. But I'll tell you what, you're going to have to put them away. When you when you have a team that comes back two straight series, Motu down to win it, there's some kind of fortitude in that team. I don't know where it comes from. I've never been a huge Ty Lue fan of that instance. I have nothing against him, but I've never thought, oh, boy, if I'm starting a franchise, like you and I talked the other day, if you're starting a franchise, well, do you want Luke or do you want Trey Young? Do you want this person or this person? Like if you told me you're starting a franchise tomorrow and you get any coach, Ty Lue's kind of not on my list. Like, I come up with a lot more coaches than Ty Lue, but maybe he's got something in him motivationally wise that motivation wise that gets these guys going. Or maybe Paul George decides to show up in an elimination game like he did last night 41 points, 15 of 20 from the field for the playoff guy. I mean, that's pretty. I mean, yeah, that's on the road in an elimination game. You're shooting 15 to 20 shots. I really don't care how you get there. That's pretty impressive. 
It's, but it's also confusing. Like, oh, well, all right, yeah, because he could go right, five right, of yeah. twenty uh, in Game Six, and they'd be eliminated, in, in, you know, tomorrow night. And it, but it would also not surprise us that one of no. the what what top twenty players in the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah. It had a, like just absolutely bleeped the bed in a playoff game. Like he's he, that's that's his mo. It's like no, David it, it Price is a, in the playoffs. Like it it's is. just like oh yeah no he yeah he screwed up yeah no that's that's who he is. Do you think Boogie uh, Cousins? Now look, he's on his team, so what a shock here! He's gonna say something good after him. But Boogie Cousins last night went out of his way to like you were just saying because you do have evidence. Like he Boogie Cousins doesn't understand the hate. Like he goes, I just he goes he, he goes I don't understand kind of this vitriol negativity towards Paul George. Like I think he probably even insinuated is far better than even a top twenty. I agree with his top twenty player. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Do you think it's unfair? I'm not so sure I do. And here's the other thing. I mean, sometimes this stuff gets blown out of proportion in terms of how many people are actually saying these things. Like, you see a few headlines, a few people say something, then it's like, oh, everyone's against Paul George. I don't know if the world's against Paul George, but he does have levels of inconsistency where you're like, how can you be that guy last night? We're like 15 of 20 from the floor, 41 in an elimination game on the road, and you're like, hey, Kawhi's not in there, and he just completely takes over the game. And then, like you said, you know, other nights he disappears. Now, again, maybe it's also that, like, everyone does that except, like, the top five players in the world. So maybe there is a little too much anger towards him. Like, everyone has off nights. Everyone disappears except who? Like, LeBron? I mean, now we're going to get into players that are like, all right, but that's, like, the greatest player. Well, but that's also the thing. Is KD? You're, you're, supposed to be, you're supposed to be the other superstar on a team. That's true. You and need when, to, like, like, there needs to be nights where, okay, Kawhi doesn't have it. Paul, we need you to go. Yeah. And everyone's assumption is, yeah, Paul's not going to go. And that's, you know, and you're you're definitely correct in the sense that what happened when they got Kawhi Leonard? He goes, well, you're going to get Paul George, and I'll sign with you. Which everyone thought, oh, that's interesting. Look, when that happened, I, I mean, thought their I, defense I missed, was going to break, yes. oh, break the Western Conference. I mean, those two defensively uh, in the league are incredible defenders. I had no idea at the point. I was interested in when Kawhi Leonard did that because, like, oh, are these guys best friends? Like, I had no clue there was that kind of a relationship or or maybe Kawhi just saw Paul George's game as the one that would compliment his the most. I don't know what it was, but Kawhi's like, I'll sign with you if you get Paul George. And, of course, then they send, you know, OKC 66 draft picks, and that's why OKC has every first-round draft pick for the next 10 years. But that was interesting to me that Kawhi – and, we'll get again, we're going to get into Kawhi here in a second, but that's the guy he picked. Now, again – there's just so many superstars where, like, he couldn't pick LeBron, he couldn't pick KD. They kind of already did their own thing. So maybe Paul, um, Kawhi was going down the list, and he was kind of knocking him off in terms of who he played for. And oh, there's Paul. Let me get Paul because he's the you know the one available right now. And but also there's the element that Paul George wanted to go to L.A. He wanted to right. go to L.A. Fresno State then, guy wants to come back to California, like they all then, do. They seem to all want to come back. Well, I mean, it's where the money is, and it's where the like marketing is and sponsorship, the yeah. food and all yeah. that stuff. But it's whenever he wanted to get out of Indiana, and he wound up in he wound up in OKC, and everyone was like, "Oh, there's no way he's signing an extension," and then he did. You as Kawhi can just go, okay. Well, I know that guy will come. Like that guy was down right. down to like right. get over here. That that I think that played an element. Uh, okay. Real quick before we get to Kawhi and his knee. So the Clips, 10 of 30 on threes, 36 of 54 on twos. Yeah, I, know Tyler I, wouldn't I, like, I, I know Tyler wouldn't like this, but a lot of mid-range jumpers, when you're, but you're 36 of 54 on twos. He, I, I think the, 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 
his steadfast rule is don't take long twos unless you are just ungodly efficient at them. Well, this is ungodly efficient. And the one guy who's really efficient on those, who really efficient, is Kawhi Leonard. He's not even playing. And they still went 36-54. Uh, no Zubak. He misses the first game of the season with an MCL, so he's out. They go small. Um, they rebounded really well. They stayed even on the boards, which I thought was really, and Van Gundy kept talking about this last night, about how the gang rebounded, and they just put bodies out there, and they blocked out, and they actually did something very fundamental that you teach a kid in the fourth you know, grade. Hey, block out. This is what you do. They actually did that last night as an NBA team in an elimination game. Uh, so, again, I don't look <laughs> – Odds that they can win it two more and two more times, you know, another one in Phoenix without Kawhi, probably not. But like, I'm not sitting here thinking like, oh, they have no chance. These guys, every time they're about to be eliminated, they come up with this great game to do it three times in a row. A little tougher. I mean, we're going to be surprised tomorrow night if they, you know, they take them kind of motivation of home being back home, even though they lost game four. Won't be surprised that to go back in seven in Phoenix. Again, I know they've done it. I know I know this is the team, and it, it's a weird team in terms of, like, once you start saying they're done, they kind of, you know, bow their backs, and, and Paul George goes for 41. I don't know if he can do that. If, I will say this. If he goes for 41 the next two games, they probably are going to advance to the NBA Finals. I just will believe that when I see it. I'll believe that. I'll believe that I can find chimneys that are in the corner of little paper, uh, little pictures for the robot than I do. Paul George is going for 40 the next two games. But why the hate, Ed? Why the hate? No, I that's the, I I don't I actually like Paul George. Like I do. I don't have anything. Paul George is one of those players where everyone like has this strong opinion of him either way. I'm like, eh, I don't care. Like I I watched him last time. I'm like, yeah, he's a really good player. But I didn't sit there like when he goes two of thirty. Ah, screw Paul George. I'm like, what do I care about Paul George? I mean, I like watching their team, but he doesn't like some players really get my emotions out, and, like, I don't either like that guy or don't like that guy. Paul George is like, yeah, he seems like, yeah, he's fine. I don't, you know, he plays for the Clippers, and he can score 40 on any night, and he can score three on any night, and either way, it's not going to bother me. I'll trick, I'll uh, switch the channel to 690, watch the Dodgers beat the Giants last night, 3-2, to two, picked up a game. Uh, I was more Blake Trinan last night in walking one person extracted more emotion and screaming from me then Paul George would for the next 10 years. He could do – Paul George do anything. Blake trying last night coming in giving up a hit and a walk. It extracted more screaming. Jesus the, the, the kids had to. The kids had to leave the house. I don't even know where they went. Uh, probably uh, my, my guess is total wine. <laughs> well, the son's, his son's old enough. Anyway, the wife's in watching Netflix, that uh, all-alone uh, all alone craziness where they're on like weird islands in the Arctic trying to survive for a million dollars. I'm screaming at Blake trying like a lunatic. Uh, I did want to ask you this real quick. We know what happened with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio where Kawhi and Uncle, I think it's Uncle Phil or Tom, I don't know who it is, who, Uncle John, Uncle Mike, whoever like is Kawhi's you know, uncle who handles everything now, they didn't like how the Spurs, if you remember, handled his medicals, and that was one of the big reasons he went out. Now, I'm going to couch this. I want to see what you think, but is there anything to do this? We're couching this because this comes from Skip Bayless. I'm, I'm yeah, just couching. You just okay. you, no, no. I you just, just put a giant like. Let me let me let me find it. Asterisk. Yes, yeah, there's an asterisk. Go. But I will give you the quote from Skip Bayless and tell me if you think there's any um, truth to this. I've been told by a good source that the first issue became first issue became when Kawhi was unhappy with the Clippers medical staff because he felt they early on mis misdiagnosed and underplayed the extent of the knee injury. I was told, as I told you from day one when this happened, he's gone. He's going to need some type of surgery. I'm not sure exactly what the extent of it is, but he's going to need surgery, so he's out the rest of the place. Well, 
regardless if it's Skip Bayless, I completely agree he's out the rest of the playoffs. This whole thing about Kawhi is not a Kawhi is not available for game two, three, four. Kawhi's in a suite. He's not even near the team on the bench. The kid's in like a, a t-shirt and jeans up there. And it's, Mike Breen had a great uh, great call the other night. It was a huge moment for the Clippers. I don't know what happened. And they go on Kawhi's face. He goes, well, there's Kawhi going crazy and excited. He had no expression, this guy. But I'm not going to be surprised. I know it's Bayless Report. That Kawhi, again, has these issues with these trainers and his body. He's Mr. Load Management. He's... Seems to get hurt a lot in big situations. I say that knowing he's a two-time MVP finals. I get that. But are you going to – they say he's still engaging with teammates at halftime or whatever whatever that means. I guess he comes down and says, hey, I saw this. I mean, obviously he knows basketball and he probably does pick up things. But are you going to fall off the chair right now if Kawhi Leonard's still – you know, and, and, and Uncle Jimmy, Paul, Mike is mad, at, is mad at the trainers? I'm not. And I do think – I will say this about Bayless. I'll be shocked – if he isn't getting some kind of procedure, or by the way, already hasn't had a procedure. And see, my thoughts are, is this the same knee that has been bothering him since San Antonio? Because maybe the the issue is they keep going, you need to have surgery, and he keeps going, no, no, you guys are diagnosing it wrong. I don't need surgery. And it's like... It might be. Do you, I mean, I don't, know if the un- I don't know if the uncle... I don't think the uncle's an orthopedic. <laughs> well, I mean, that's are I they all at the house, like, like, deciding what they think the knee injury is, and then they go to the real people and like, yeah, that's really not it. We have an MRI, yeah. Like, we're... I, I don't know, but I, as someone who's had knee surgery, it sucks, but yeah. it genuinely, it... Trust me, it helps. Yeah, again, I, exactly, but it does... It's just a little curious that this is what his issue was in San Antonio, so he got out of there... And now he gets another knee here. And now, again, I'm couching it. It's Bayless. But to put it out there that maybe he's also not happy with the Clippers trainers, after a while, it's, is this a Kawhi issue? Like, is this is this an uncle whoever issue where they're trying to, like you say, diagnose things where the professionals are saying, that's not really it. We'll show you the MRI. This is what this is. I don't know. I think it's interesting that it's back-to-back now where he's got issues with people telling him what's wrong with his body, and he – apparently or reportedly saying, no, that's not what this is. I totally agree with Bayless is out of the playoffs. I mean, I'm, I don't get shocked by much. If you tell me all of a sudden he's back in the series or let's say they get to the finals, I'll be shocked. I mean, I, it just doesn't give any kind of I insinuation mean, this guy's coming back at this point. I will say that I once saw Russell Westbrook break his face and it was like, oh, he's out for four weeks and he played two games later. Yeah. So there, uh, the, Toradol's really good, man. <laughs> well, come on. Alec Martinez with a broken foot. He's a tough guy. Kawhi needs a little Alec Martinez in him. What do you think? Broken foot, I mean, skating, blocking shots? Running and jumping on a hurt knee is... I know, I know. It's a completely different thing. I get that. All right. Well, Alec Martinez is still, uh, still a really tough guy. We're off and running. We're looking for chimneys and motorcycles. But when we come back, this just in, Nikita Kucherov, he can play hockey. Shoot, score! What a face-off. What? what a shot by Kucherov, too. It's 4-1 <laughs> Lightning. Wheel center point. Left circle stamp goes, shoots, score! Well, Kucherov hung in there. He was whacked, he was slashed, and he gets another point. From a coaching perspective, we've, we've got to overturn some stones and get things better. You know, I think, uh, you know, the obvious one is the power play. 
Yeah, Kucherov's good. Uh, it appears as Dave Shane, <laughs> who will join us at 8.30 to talk VGK, Kucherov's had a great good. tweet where he said, it appears after last night, Montreal's issues uh, off draws are uh, still a problem. I think that's really the only time the Knights ever scored against Montreal, which were off draws. But uh, last night, Kucherov gets two two goals and assist, 5-1 lightning. Uh, boy, talk about a domination from uh uh, pallet point and Kucherov's line. They went against uh, the young guns, Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, Caulfield again, also Toffoli. That line, Suzuki, Caulfield, and uh, Tyler Toffoli, a minus nine against Kucherov's line. Now, again, Tampa Bay had last change. Obviously, they saw something and said, Kucherov, you go against that line, and we will destroy them. Uh, we've seen this before, so I don't think any of the Habs uh, bandwagoners or true fans are jumping off at any point because we've seen this before, but... You just got a sense. And when they beat, when Tampa Bay beat the Islanders 8 0, I remember watching that. And I, I might have told you. So I, I text uh, my colleagues, Ben Goats and Dave Shane at the paper. And I said, is Are we all sure Colorado was the best team? Because we've been told that by the Golden Knights 7,500 times. Now, we were told about it before. And then after you beat them, you absolutely say they're the best team because you beat them. But I was watching that Lightning game saying, I'm not sure here. <laughs> I'm really not sure because, and again, then, you know, the Islanders, it was a great game seven. But, again, I had that feeling last night watching this. They're so much better defensively than people know because of that top line and Kucherov so dynamic. And, the, you know, obviously Vasilevsky is, you know, best goalie in the world and all this. But they put so much pressure on Montreal. There were just long periods and segments of time. We'll talk to Dave about this at 8-3. Can't, it, uh, Montreal couldn't even get into into the offensive zone. It was just like they it was over it. and over and over. Like you know, I kept saying, are, are, "Are these are these poor guys Montreal like on a six minute shift here because they can't get off the ice?" Uh, it was they're really good. I I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I said, Toronto down three one. We understand what Montreal has been able to do. Lose five one, lost four one to the Golden Knights. I mean, the first game and everyone said, "Oh, they're done. They're done. They're not that good." I still think they're better than people. I don't think you get to this point if you're not better than most people think you are. But you watched last night, and you're like, ah, this is kind of at this point a mismatch. Now, again, tomorrow night we could be sitting here the next day saying, oh, you know, Montreal came back and won 3-2 in overtime, and look what happened. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. few things um, I do want to get to and ask you about because um, uh, Bettman and, and Bill Daly had their annual Stanley Cup uh, press conference. Bettman uh, front and center for the first time in a, a long time. He doesn't do a lot of these. But the big issue, again, is how they brought Kucherov back and the big joke about oh they're like ninety million over the cap on on you know on because of Kucherov and all this. Uh, so here's the thing: this was daily, and we talked about this. Tyler, you and I have talked about this in terms of the rule that obviously in the playoffs the cap doesn't exist, so you can do whatever you want. Kucherov was off uh, most, you know, if not all the he was out all the season. Um, before he came back for the uh, he had December 9th, 29th hip surgery before he came back. For the playoffs. Here's Bill Daly. Nothing inappropriate was done here, meaning bringing Kucherov back and, and not worrying about the cap. At the end of the day, all the managers know what the rules are. The facts seem to align with the situation that allowed Tampa to bring back a significant player in the playoffs. I'm not apologizing for what has been a sound system or what has been a sound system from the start. Bettman then noted these salary cap provisions have been in place since 2005. So I don't agree with these guys a lot, but on the basis of the rule, they didn't do anything. The problem is then change the rule then get enough motivation or a support, support's a better word, behind you to get something done in this rule. Now, 
Weird Bettman, when he starts saying this rule's been around for 2005, the odds they're going to change a rule when he says like that is usually zero when this guy starts talking about how long he's been in rules in place. But if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm like, hey, then change it. I have no problem with yeah, what they did. It's a, it'd be the same thing that the Golden Knights did last year where they just basically had guys permanently on airplanes so that they could save yeah, like oh, a, a four grand at a time. A like, lot more Southwest miles than myself, and I'm A-list preferred. <laughs> Remember that, the Southwest, back and Jeez. forth from Chicago? Like, hey, Jimmy, you got to get the Midway again. Again? I'm going to Midway again? Well, that's where Southwest Well, whenever you of. land, you're don't worry. You're going to get back on the <laughs> yes, plane. Exactly. All you got to do is take the no. tram over to the other. You you do what you can to manipulate the situation to the best of your ability and follow the rule, and that's what Tampa Bay did. Now, again, here's the other thing. I don't know. We don't follow Tampa Bay on a daily basis. He had hip surgery on December 29th. I don't know what that means. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if the guy is even 100% now. He certainly looked like it last night. But oh, again, good God, if he's not 100%. <laughs> well, if that's not 100% of Kucherov, then we're, everyone's really in trouble. Then we were wrong about the avalanche. Yes, exactly. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, he was healthy before. I don't know. I don't know what a hip surgery entails. I don't know how long it takes a guy like that to get back. But this is not against the rules you might out there this is again this is chris bryant you're keeping me down to get an extra year of service on the back end this is baseball players like chris bryant who are pissed and the agents are pissed like no that's the rule if i have a great player in baseball i'm keeping you down so i can ensure a year on the back end or change the rule so the the difference i, I will say like the key difference there is that the MLB Players Association were the ones who negotiated that rule so that the older veteran players basically could make more money. Like, that was the exchange. We can we can make more money if you guys can keep younger players if at lower salaries. Big-time Chris Bryant can stay down, and he doesn't yeah. have to get to his, his big contract sooner. That's, that's all it is. We're not going to get replaced as quickly. Right. Where this could easily be fixed by just get rid of the salary cap. Like, there's no reason that this sport, like, there's no reason for hockey of all sports to need a salary cap. Just get rid of it. Create a salary floor and just go, yeah, but if your owner wants to spend $11 billion, oh. let them spend, like, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be policing these people's money. So if, if the if the Tampa Bay Lightning want to have $200 million in salary cap for whatever reason, let them. Well, that'd be $100 million less than Foley would spend. Can you imagine Foley with no cap? That's what I'm saying. Like, it I don't understand how the Golden Knights, like if you're a Golden Knights fan, how you could be in favor of a salary cap. I'll tell you one thing. If there's no salary cap, the Golden Knights would be better scoring the playoffs because they'd get Kucherov. <laughs> like, do you really want to live in Tampa? Come on. What are you, what are you crazy? Come yeah, on. Come on, out to, beach. come on out to Vegas. Come on out to Vegas. It's got needles on it, but it's a beach. I just, look, I just thought that this is hilarious when once again, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, you know, I mean, Batman and what I think about Batman. But when they say this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, if I'm the light, if I'm John Cooper, I'm like, you know what? Too bad. Change the rule. He's well, my best player. I'm going to keep him out till he's ready. And when the playoffs roll around, when it's time to go, when it's go time, I'm bringing him back. It's Sorry. A, it's also a it's also a hip injury that he then needed surgery on. And I, I don't know if you've ever had any sort of like surgery. The very first thing they do is they go, OK, we're going to give you prehab because maybe we can strengthen stuff right. and. In the where process. you don't have to go under surgery. And then if that fails, then you're doing surgery, then you're doing rehab. So there's a good chance that this guy legitimately, if they hadn't made the playoffs, he may not have been healthy until the time period in which he was, at which point, so we just punish him? We just punish yeah. the team? Like everyone like, like everyone is screwed because one guy on your team well, gets hurt? And it's also funny if it's, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Dykin, uh, you know, Thomas uh, Miller down there on the fourth line, nobody's saying anything about this. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, nah, they, they, they don't make what Kucherov makes. But the point is, this is who it is. This was the big story of why you would bring a player of that level back. But you know what? They didn't break a rule. Change the rule. I have no problem with that they did. And and any other you don't think you don't think McCrimmon and McPhee, if they had Nikita Kucherov, they'd say, look, we know we're getting the playoffs. We play in the Honda West division, which is absolutely brutal. And we have Nikita Kucherov, but he had uh, hip surgery. Well, they wouldn't say that. Why God forbid they say anything about an injury, but lower mid, well, mid, mid, mid body injury. But our player has a mid body injury. Uh, and then they could stash him into the playoffs. They wouldn't have done that. Of course they would have. Yeah, exactly. Did they ever te- did they ever technically say Alec Martino was lower body? I or did they even, no, they no, didn't even say he was ever because hurt because you, he kept because playing. You were the one who kept going, wait, what? Your foot was what? Yeah. <laughs> I guess they never said anything about him because the kid kept playing. All they ever said was when he missed all those morning skates, he really never made a morning skate, and now we know why, was well. You know, he's beat up. He takes all these block shots. What, what, what in the world would he be out there in the morning skate for? And everyone's like, everyone was like, yeah, well, why would bit, you? He's a little bit older. You know, yeah, like, why, would, why would you put him out in a morning skate when he's blocking like 10 shots a game and he's probably beat up? And we all like assume that until Alec Martinez decided to say, well, I had a broken foot. All right. There you go. 5-1 Tampa Bay. Uh, game two tomorrow night. We'll see if Montreal can do what they've done and bounce back. When we come back, little Milwaukee Bucks talk from a columnist in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Connaughton baseline, out to Tucker, Middleton for four threes in a row, why not? Chris Middleton hits again. What an explosion by Middleton. Middleton against Gallinari, going to work again, lifting, shooting, got it! Why not? Middleton makes it a 10-point game. 1-12-1-0-2, he has 38. Yeah, he went nuts the other night, Chris Middleton, as they... uh... Take home court advantage back uh, from the Hawks. We're going to get into this series now. Follow him on Twitter at Jim Jim Ozarski. It's Jim Ozarski covers the Bucks for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I am good. Thanks for having me. Good. Let's go right to the uh, clip there, uh, Chris Middleton. It was interesting. We did some uh, some research yesterday. Detroit might have might have gone to the G League, we think, and then all of a sudden gets to Milwaukee. And now we see the Chris Middleton of now. Can you talk about Chris Middleton's maturation? I assume Milwaukee always thought they had something special in him, but now the nation who might not watch a lot of Bucks basketball is like, my goodness, look at this guy. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It might be revisionist history if Milwaukee thought they had a you know a two-time All-Star or or a guy that could that could do that um, when they traded for him. I mean, he was. Yeah, hesitate to say a throw-in, but it was Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight yeah. was the the piece coming back from from Detroit for Brandon Jennings eight years ago. Um, and Chris Milton has just put the work in, and, and quite frankly, some of it has to do with he turned out to be a good fit with Giannis and Nakumbo, both uh, personally and then on the court. You know, in terms of the the type of player that kind of can exist around the way Giannis plays. Right. And um, so I think, could he have done this on his own in another market? Sure. Uh, we'll never know that. But I think, um, I definitely think it was, it's been a, a, a somewhat of a surprise, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, but clearly at this point, you know, with two, two all-star appearances and a second trip to the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, Chris Middleton is, is I think, kind of proven you know, that, that he's, you know, he, he can do this type of thing uh, in spots in big games. What is different 
uh, as we watch them go and uh, up to one now, and if they advance, what is different about this Bucks team that makes it that you know? And I, I know who's been eliminated on on both sides here. What's different about this Bucks team that people would think that they're going to raise the trophy? Well, well, there's there's two things. One, I think you know there is that that element of having been to this point and not sort of feeling any of that pressure or um, not knowing what to expect. Look, a, a couple of years ago when they were the best team in basketball, I mean, they were the dominant team. You know, they were blowing through the regular season, blowing through the playoffs. They go up 2-0 against Toronto. And, and the guys who are left from that squad it kind of admitted that, well, you know, when, when Toronto, <laughs> use a boxing analogy, when Toronto punched them in the mouth, um, they didn't really know how to handle that. You know, this team, they sort of built toward this. You know, they lost five in a row in the regular season. They lost six of eight. You know, they go down 0-2 in Brooklyn and face elimination in two games. I think that there's a little bit of more uh, constitution, I guess, right. <laughs> to be able to kind of take some of that and not and know there's more games to be played, if that makes sense. Now, also, there's only a couple guys left from that team two years ago um, you know, it's the, the three starters, Giannis Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and the reserve, Pat Connaughton. P.J. Tucker brings a new mentality. You get a guy like Bobby Portis, who had never been to the playoffs um, and is just, you know, dying to get to this point and beyond. So I think there's also a different mentality in that way. I I always, I mean, I don't I laugh, but I always see these reports, and I want to, you to bring me through here of why, and I saw another one this morning, and, you know, if Mike Boothauser, if he, if, he, Boothauser, if he doesn't get them there, this could be his job. Talk to me about kind of the feelings about the head coach in Milwaukee, and is it because it's just the assumption they've overachieved, like you said a couple years ago when they have the best team in basketball? Where do you stand on him? Because it's the roller coaster of emotions we see nationally from people about him always seem to change. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, one, I think he's a victim of his, of his own success. I mean, when you again two years ago um, become the best team in basketball, you blow an O two lead or two O lead in the finals. Okay, you come back the next year again. You're the best team in basketball. The, the Giannis, your player, wins MVP again. And then you lose in the second round, right? You, you don't even get back to the East Finals. So I think there's an element of that, you know, of, okay, are you a A, a to B coach? Right. Or, you know, uh, he, he was not quite a bit for, I mean, out here, it's, it's adjustments. People love to use that word. Um, and I guess in fairness, you know, when – Toronto did what they did when Miami did what they did a year ago in the bubble. You know, he didn't have the answers. I think this year he has. Um, so I think there's some, that's some of it, that it's just this, this championship or bust sort of national feeling. Right. Um, that if they don't get to the finals, they've underachieved. Now, I will say this. Once Kevin uh, Harden and Irving got hurt in that series, the Bucks became the favorite. You know, like, so they flip from being this third seed underdog to you're supposed to win now. You're the best team. You're the healthiest team left. So I think that's part of it also is there. That doesn't happen very often in playoff series, right? Like you're usually right. you're the underdog or you're not. <laughs> right. So I think that's, I think that's why you see some of that as well. 
uh, shouldn't be lost, but after the top two, uh, tell me about the impact Drew Holiday has made um, uh, in terms of his influence, like you said, on a team that might be willing, uh, capable of pushing through this year. Yes, it's, it's big. Um, you know, look, Eric Bledsoe, also a very good defender. Uh, Drew Holiday, you know, first team all defense. But I think it's he also is a better fit with Giannis. He is a point guard who can play off the ball. You know, he doesn't need to be ball dominant. He's okay, you know, being off to the side and, and moving and cutting and, and getting involved offensively that way. He's a better overall offensive player. I Probably the best example of, of why he's a better fit, why he was acquired, was it, it, against Brooklyn, um, you know, he was having a horrific <laughs> shooting series. Horrific. Um, and then yet in game seven, he wasn't afraid to take the shots to put his team ahead. Right. And he, he did take them and he made them. You know, Eric Bledsoe at times back two years ago, uh, you know, he, he got, he kind of hesitated, <laughs> you know, and, and, and got stuck, if, if you will. And so I think Drew Holiday has just brought a different level of, of whether it be experience, or a little bit of something else to 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 actually you know put those shots up and make them when it matters. It's Jim Ozarski from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He covers the Bucks for uh, out there in Milwaukee. So it's I'm glad that we've been talking for several minutes and we haven't gotten to Giannis. And I think that says a lot because obviously this is a team where like the other night we had a clip with Giannis saying, "Hey, Chris Middleton's going crazy. Why wouldn't I give him the ball? Why wouldn't we do this?" And that seems maybe a little different than the last years when he was winning back to back MVPs. It is there more of a trust factor with Giannis with this specific team, with this particular team, or the other guys just stepping forward more? Like, where do you put Giannis compared to, like you said, when they had the best team but they couldn't push through and get it done? Yeah, I think there there definitely is, you know, a, a little more of that. Maybe not so much with Middleton, but definitely with, you know, Bryn Forbes. Connaughton is in his third year with, right. with Giannis. Tucker, Portis, um, Holiday, even in, in a short time, the, the idea that there's more shooters, you know, because teams are still always going to try to wall Giannis off from the rim as best they can. They're going to try to give him so much attention. And I don't know if in years past they had um, those sort of more reliable kickouts. Now, as I say this, they are going through just a horrific uh, uh, shooting stretch. Right. However, um, having made as many as they have, I mean, he's still – sending it out that way to them, you know, to be able to make those shots and take those shots. So, yeah, I think that the general team construct is a bit stronger around him. And, uh, look, he jokes. He says he's old at 26. <laughs> um, but, he does, but he does admit that he is more mature. So, look, when you're 26 versus 24 going through it for the first time, um, you do – I mean, I, I think – most players would say they'd want to learn something from that. So I right. think that's also part of it, too. Where, yeah, maybe two years ago, first-time MVP, best team, why change? Whereas now I think they have changed, and, and he's more willing and, and able to just sort of spread the wealth, if you will. I have to ask you one on the other side. He's questionable. I think everyone in the world thinks he's going to play, at least give it a shot. Uh, as you watch back-to-back-to-back games, uh Tell me your thoughts on Trey Young. You know, again, Trey Young's yet another player in these markets where I don't know. Now, he's pretty special. Giannis is special where people don't get a full grasp of how good he is. 
Um, but he's got the injury now. I, I know Giannis has been dealing with stuff as well. But when you watch him back-to-back-to-back, is he even better than you think people understand? Yeah, especially, you know, and again, look, he he's as tall as he is, and that's not going to change. He's at six <laughs> feet. But I think that's part of what makes him that kind of player because there just aren't very many of them. I mean, that, you know, game one, 48 points. He had 32 points before he got hurt in three quarters. Um, to be able to have the logo distance and the – yet also the ability to, to get to the lane and, and, and all the trees and, and still score in the paint um, with different ways because he is only six feet tall. Is, it is special. Um, it's unfortunate he got hurt. Uh, you know, the Bucks I think, have, have gotten some good luck in that way with, with the teams they're playing, their stars going down. Um, but, yeah, Trey Young is definitely – he's going to – I would imagine he'll try to play. I, I don't yeah. know how effective that's going to be tonight, but you're right. Um, Atlanta's got something going forward here. Trey Young is definitely, uh, if he's already got some of that touch from the outside, you, you imagine if he keeps working on it, you know, he's only going to become more dangerous, you know, from essentially half court and in. Jim Ozarski, follow him on Twitter at Jim Ozarski. Jim, this was wonderful. Uh, best of luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. There he is. Covers the Bucks for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Jim Ozarski, O-W-C-Z-A-R-S-K-I on Twitter. You wanted to jump in there. I know you did. This is your yes, team. I this know, is your team. I know, but I was going to ask questions like, um, all right, rank these three uh, <laughs> these three acquisitions. Michael Carter-Williams, <laughs> Delhi, or Greg Monroe. Like, I would, I'd be so far in the weeds that the, all the listeners would have just gone, oh, God, shut up. Michael Carter-Williams was the all-time guy you would not want to give give away. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he also was the guy that immediately tore his labrum after. <laughs> well, after. I mean, we're not laughing. It's just you're, no, but you're, it's you're, just, you loved Michael Carter Williams. Yes. No, I texted a friend of mine. We got Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> we got the rookie of the year. Three-team trade. And then my friend was like, I don't think this is going to go the way you think it is. If they win, will your reaction come close to mine about Blake trying and walking someone last night? I mean. In a different way, obviously. Yeah, but I mean. the. I'm also a die like I'm a die easy Bucks fan because I've seen them do <laughs> because stuff. Because you've seen it, yeah. I've seen them sign Matthew Delvadova. Like <laughs> you were you you were fine with Delhi a couple years ago. Yes, you loved Delhi. And Deli. then I like in retrospect like took uh, put down the beer and went wait. What? Why in God's name did we sign Delhi? Uh, well, they're off and running, and uh, up to one they grabbed home court back. So thanks again to Jim Ozarski. When we come back, little college baseball. We'll get into it after this. On the 2-2. Back strike three. That's the game. He gets caught with a bat on his shoulders. And for the 20th time at TD Ameritrade since 2011, the Commodores get a win. Jack Leiter, the victory. Vanderbilt takes game one, eight to two. One more win gets them another College World Series title. Vandy over Mississippi State, game one. It's a best of three. They'll try to close it out in game two. We did not get to this uh, last week, which I want to talk to you about because we didn't kind of uh, give our opinions on this when NC State got booted. They were supposed to play Vandy. They got booted from the College World Series because of covid uh, they did play a game with 14 players, a pitcher in first base, went for three. A pitcher played first base and went three for three. So NC State had unvaccinated players and vaccinated players test positive, And there was a, let's say, a minor uproar of opinion across the country as to kids on NC State who did not get vaccinated. Now, 
we should say this, Vanderbilt's a private school. They are required to be vaccinated to stay in school. So obviously they they were all vaccinated. NC State, not a private school, um, encourages vaccinations, faculty and staff, uh, but it is not required. Um, speaking of Boo Corrigan, the athletic director, vaccination is a personal decision. The university cannot require it. Uh, vaccines were not available until the start of the until after the start of the season. So some of our players decided to wait until the completion of the season in case of side effects. We respect their right to personal health care decisions. I'm sort of, you know, I'll go to the 23 year old at home who has a lot of opinions. And he said that if he was on that team and had gotten vaccinated and they got booted, he would have been right in the face of the other kids who didn't get it. But again, some vaccinated players got were tested positive. Yeah. So if it was only unvaccinated players, like the three kids who just wouldn't get vaccinated and you get booted from College World Series and the other 20-something, there's like 30 players on a baseball team, looked at each other and said, wait a minute, those three screwed us and we, we got bounced from this, our chance to win a national championship? Then I'd probably get in someone's face. If I knew te- five guys who actually did get vaccinated also tested positive, what are you going to do? At that point, you throw up your hands. I'm not going to say that they made the wrong decision. Now, again... I think this is apples apples and oranges because once we the first thing people said is oh how can you do this there's thousands of people in the stands without masks on and and they and you know they're fine that that has nothing to do with the decision on the field and what they're going to do with their athletes and that's two totally different things do I believe everyone in the stands without masks are vaccinated no it's like I told you before the show do I believe every time I walk into my gym 99% are uh, without masks no I know someone in there is uh, you know yeah. not vaccinated you, you that's why you Wipe down every equipment. That's why you wash your hands and you hold your breath. You take your and you do your work and you go home. You stop the post workout uh, cheek kisses. <laughs> exactly. You, you I know, don't hug yeah. anymore. There's no bro high fives. Roy and Rudy and Roy and Rudy can lift their weights. I'm going nowhere near Roy and Rudy. I don't believe they're vaccinated. I. What was your thoughts on this though? Because again, when there's vaccinated kids getting positive, I don't know what else you can do as as this committee who runs this tournament. The difference is is that the vaccinated kids, if they tested positive, would need to isolate for like two, maybe three days. They're going to have very, very, very mild symptoms, and it would have been fine. The problem is the unvaccinated kids could be having like horrifying side effects. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. There's still people that can't smell like they can't taste Taste. anything like that, that. We don't know if that comes back or not. It came back for some people. But that's that's where you're that's where you're running into the issue. If they everyone was vaccinated, it would have been either a delay or a okay. You guys need to self isolate for two days until you get a negative test. And the problem that comes into this is you and I both know TV dictates everything. So if you're if you're the committee, you're going to go to ESPN or wherever this is on. And say, well, you know, look, can we wait three days? Like, well. That's not kind of what we sold this on in terms of sponsorships, and I we don't want to well, wait. It's, so it's also, guys, you're trying to play the College World Series at the tail end of a pandemic. Like this type of stuff is gonna happen. I'm sorry. The okay. Miami Heat were in the friggin' finals last year. Let's let's put this all into context. The scaffolding guy, what a shock! Ah, checks in. Starkus, separate the kids that tested positive and play. Crisis adverted. Well, what a shock the scaffolding kid with need, like, Everyone play. My, my, my son's got to get out there. Be tough. You only he got a nine, cold. You only need nine people. Yes. That's Starkus. If they had eight, Starkus, they play with eight. We'll just, you know, the, if they had ten, have a rover. The, I mean, Starkus, anything to get people on the, the field. The manager is in a uniform yes, for a yes. reason. He's got, a high, he's got those high baseball socks on. Oh, man. 
Thanks for checking in. We'll talk to him on Thursday with Get Everyone on the Field and Play. Crisis Adverted. This is a bit of a crisis, Starkus. Hope you're well, JR. Miss you. <laughs>